Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, an elder for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I consider it a privilege to be able to talk to you today. As revealed in the Gospels, Jesus was a man who did not waste words. He didn't deal in flattery or exaggeration. The Lord seldom paid compliments, at least those recorded for us to read. That was true even among those he chose to be apostles. Yet the Lord did find traits in a number of people to specifically compliment. And those qualities which he complimented in them should interest each one of us because I believe that there are qualities the Lord wants to see in each and every one of us. While it makes us feel good to receive compliments from others, None can compare with hearing the Lord compliment us. So right now, let's notice some individuals Jesus complimented and learn to imitate the qualities that Jesus admired. First, let's consider Nathaniel in John 1, verses 45-47. The passage says, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Before I comment on this, look with me at John chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. It says, But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, And because he did not need any to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. The Lord was able to know the thoughts and intents of every man he encountered. He saw in Nathanael no guile at all. Guile is deceit, treachery, trickery. He was a man who showed to all the same face. There was no play acting with him, no two-facedness. The pattern set by our Lord is described in this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Jesus expects the same honesty and openness that he saw and complimented in Nathaniel to be manifested in us. The Apostle Peter wrote it this way in 1 Peter 2.1, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. What a compliment for others to say of us, that person is as honest as the day is long. When he or she tells you something, you can rely on it. That was the kind of man Nathaniel was. He was true and honest with all, showing the same attitudes and actions toward all. That is the kind of people the Lord wants us to be people in whom it's found no guile. Let's talk about a particular Roman centurion 
who received an incredible compliment from Jesus. A centurion was a Roman officer in charge of 100 other soldiers. These Roman officers were usually veterans, toughened by long campaigns in the service of Rome. One of these centurions came to Jesus to request that the Lord heal his servant. The exchange between Jesus and this man is remarkable and found in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. That passage tells us, And when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Others had shown faith in the power of Jesus to heal. But this man demonstrated greater faith. He not only believed in the Lord's power to heal, he recognized that distance would not diminish that power. His reference to authority is the key. He understood that it was all a matter of authority anyway, and that even disease and space were subject to the authority of Jesus. This man recognized and acknowledged the authority of Jesus long before most others did, including even some of his disciples. The great faith we should have ought to be patterned after this centurion's faith. To believe in the power of Jesus to save is one thing. To accept his absolute authority is another. Jesus once asked in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Religious people would not question the need for baptism, the concept of one church, the pattern for acceptable worship, and many other things, if they had faith in the absolute authority of Jesus. The fact that Jesus has said it is sufficient for one who had the kind of faith this centurion had. We will not quibble and question about things he had plainly stated if we truly believed in his authority. Many religious leaders will speak smooth things designed to please the people. Well, that may gain them a following, but it won't please the Lord. John the Baptist was not like that. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 28. I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John was a man of great courage, not a reed shaken with the wind. He stood by his convictions, and later, that kind of stand would cost him his life. Matthew chapter 14, verses 3 through 10 tells us, For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they regarded him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Thereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. 
And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oath and because of his dinner guests. And he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. Greatness cannot be measured by the standards of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 11, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And the greatness of John is shown in his service to the Lord. He had the courage to be right and to do right. He had the courage to serve God. These are marks of true greatness. And oh, how they are needed today. We sing from time to time, stand up, stand up for Jesus. And that is exactly what we need to do. No matter what the consequences for us, we have to have the courage to please the Lord. Let's consider someone else. The publicans were traitors in the thinking of most of the Jews. They collected taxes from their own people, other Jews, to give to the Romans. And there is evidence that many of them lined their pockets, so to speak, while doing such work. But some showed a willingness to be completely honest. Look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. The passage says, And he entering and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. The attitude of this small man has a great lesson for us. So happy was Zacchaeus that Jesus would deign to come into his house that he made the offer we read. He would bestow half of his wealth to the poor, and that is admirable. But to give back four times as much if he had defrauded anyone, taken more taxes than he should have. That not only shows his desire to do right, but demonstrates great integrity. He could not make such an offer if he had been cheating on his tax assessing and collecting intentionally. Willingness to make amends is much needed now as then. To offend in any way is not good, but to refuse to make it right adds to the wrong. If we say things we should not say, we should make it right with an apology. If we have lied about someone, we should endeavor to undo the damage. If we have taken something wrongfully, we should restore it with an apology and along with the apology, pay the money for any damages if warranted. In the attitude of Zacchaeus, we see a willingness to do what was right in order to make things right. Look at Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. 
And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. On one occasion, as the rich were casting their gifts to the treasury, Jesus pointed to the giving of a woman who gave only a very small amount and said the words we just read. It is not difficult to give what can be easily spared. The true test of giving is, what does it cost me? King David, when offered a place free for an altar, gave the great answer in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24. However, the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. If our giving costs us nothing comparatively, how much is it truly worth in the eyes of God? I think there are at least two things we should keep in mind as we are purposing in our hearts what we are going to give. The first is found in Matthew 6 verse 33 and is an all-encompassing principle. Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Secondly, consider Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, where Jesus said, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. While the world around us keeps score based on how much we have, the Lord looks at it differently. Our lives are not measured by how well-to-do we are, but by how well we do with what we have in service to the Lord. There's one more person I want to look at, and then we will be finished. There was a time when Jesus took his apostles away from Judea and Galilee and into an area near Tyre and Sidon. It appears that he was trying to get some time to devote strictly to his disciples. However, a Canaanite woman interrupted Consider Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. There we find, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Jesus commended the faith of this woman, but her faith was rooted in her remarkable humility. Too many want to dictate the terms of work for forgiving someone, of getting along with others, and so on. But this woman did not try to dictate terms. Notice what Jesus said. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I wonder how I would have responded to that. This woman had a need, and she saw no insult in what the Lord said. Her humility sought a way to gain a blessing, and she got it. 
Let's close with the greatest example of humility pointed out in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In both the Canaanite woman and in the Lord, we see the attitude that we must have. We accept anything the Lord says, meet every condition he gives, and be grateful for each of the blessings he bestows. No guile, great faith, great courage, a right attitude, generosity, and humility are all traits that Jesus saw and complimented and commended. They are the same traits the Lord wants to see in us today. Think about these words and thanks for listening.